Welcome to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. This podcast series offers a fun and serious look at hypnosis and offers various ideas, discuss case studies, along with NGH educational opportunities. So I want to welcome everybody to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. I'm Eric Damon from the NGH. Today's guest, special guest, we'll call you, is NGH board certified, a member of the NGH advisory board, order of braid recipient, an internationally published author and speaker. Welcome, Tom Nicoli. Welcome to our NGH podcast. Thanks for having me here. Well, now you've been chosen to be one of our presenters, and I, I know you've been to a lot of the NGH conventions. Yeah. Um, that's happening in August. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, so people want to know, want to know about your practice and want to know about Tom Nicoli. What, what can you tell us that that is so captivating that people want to hear? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> you know, it, it's challenging sometimes to talk about yourself, right? So I usually tell people is just Google me. <laughs> in this day and age, just Google me. But I, I'll give you the short story. In 1999, well, it was before that, it wasn't even a book. It was a three-ring binder um, called Part-Time Riches. And it was about marketing. And the very beginning, it said, you haven't succeeded because you're reading this. And you haven't succeeded not because of action, because of mindset. And it just gave this exercise and the word hypnosis was never included. And I realized like something is going on here, man. What is this? So I realized what it was and how it was really affecting me doing this, you know, visualization uh, exercise. Um, I realized, okay, so that's hypnosis. And then I started to dabble and um, I've been a musician my whole life. You know, I started at 10, I'm 63 and I've done the albums and the tours and all that stuff. So I thought, you know what? That stage hypnosis stuff looks really fun. So in Everett, Mass, about four miles north of Boston, <clears throat> I was living there at the time. And I got online and I found the National Guild and there was an instructor in the city I was living in. So I thought I was going to go see him for about 20 minutes. Now, this is 1999. No phones that you could just find out. Where are you? So I said, at the time I was married, and I said, I'll be back in about 20 minutes. About two hours later, I came back. And uh, I heard, well, where the hell have you been? And I said, I'm going to be a hypnotherapist. Because <laughs> when I talked with Al, he said, yeah, I could teach you that. But there's this other side of it. And it was almost like a cartoon where the light bulb went off over my head. So one thing leads to another. I get certified. I was certified one-on-one. -on -one. I never hypnotized anybody. And a month later, I opened an office. The office, because I was bankrupt. You know, I, I was really struggling at the time. And the office was eight feet by eight feet because it was a storage room. But I could hypnotize you in the front seat of the car. So I figured, well, this is what I can afford. It was $150 a month to rent it. And Dateline NBC filmed in that office. When I got on Dateline, they actually filmed in that office. So it went from there to being really blessed and having tremendous success and having clients in over 50 countries now and Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it just goes on, right? So, you know, that was my introduction. And then I thought, you know what? 
want to do one of those stage shows. So I went and, and this was the video cassette library used to rent from the guild. It was in those video cassettes they'd send you. Right, right. So I watched uh, Jerry Valley at a Chinese restaurant doing a show, uh, Scott McFall at the guild doing a show, and somebody else, I forget who it was. And I saw a pattern and I went, well, I guess that's how it's done. So I went out and did it. <laughs> and I did a couple of shows, but how does the universe work? You know, it was on my side. They were high school shows and they all responded incredibly well. So I did get to, you know, at least get on stage and, and uh, get my fingers in that a little bit. And uh, then William Mitchell, when I went to the St. Louis uh, conference one year, I went and did a couple of shows for him post-prom. Now, listen to this. They were the senior graduating classes. I had two shows to do. Each one had 36 kids graduating as seniors. <laughs> yeah. The population of the town was 500. <laughs> so I got to at least, you know, um, dip my toe in that water, which was really fun. And I suggest that almost all hypnotists see what it's like to uh, be in that side of the coin. Because it does change the way you go about your, your practice, how you, you know, do your work. So um, a lot of people know, you know, I was really blessed and I got an opportunity and uh, got on Dateline NBC. Now, here's the thing that I need to share. It was Cal Banyan once on a call and he said, you know, I just want to make a comment. Tom Nicoli's the best marketer in hypnosis. And in my head, I went, no, I'm not. I never marketed any of this stuff. When I spoke at Harvard Medical School, they contacted me. When I got on Dateline NBC, they contacted me. And everything I've done, which is a real long list, it was all incoming. So it was truly law of attraction without me realizing it at the time. But I had a mantra. And I mean, I knew nothing, right? But I had this thought come to my head once. And I said, yeah, I'm going to build an empire. So I just kept thinking that way about it. Like total conviction, total commitment. And at the time, I was a full mouth reconstruction dental technician working 60 hours a week in a lab. Really? <laughs> yeah, playing two to four nights a week as a musician. So my hours were rough. But I just stayed awake like 20 hours a day for about a year. And I kept working toward building my practice. And one thing led to another. And the cool part is this whole new, people think it's a new thing about working online. No, man. I was doing this on Skype in like 2003, 2004 because I was gathering clients from all over the world as I was traveling and presenting and things like that. So I'm glad everybody else caught up and they <laughs> realized that this is really uh, tremendously beneficial and you lose nothing. As a matter of fact, you know, people say, well, you can't do arm drops and things like that. Well, there are countries where you can't touch your client at all, not at all. You have to have distance. And if you're going to be a good hypnotist, then you need your brain and your voice, right? And when I say voice, I don't mean like people say, oh, my God, you're so lucky you get that deep voice. Yeah, well, go sing three sets like last night. I did a gig, so I got a deeper voice this morning. Right. But that isn't the deal. You just use your voice with the right tone, with the right words at the right time. And when you're able to get really skilled at being a wordsmith, you can do this work, you know, anywhere. And I, and I always suggest to anybody who tells me about telephone work. I don't think that's responsible because somebody could be crying and you don't hear them. You need to see your client, right? There's so many cues that they give you. But even when I had an office in Massachusetts and New Hampshire, and I shut them down after a while, and I worked out of my home in Wyndham, New Hampshire, I still had 70% of my people online. So 
it's really cool that you know a lot of people have become aware that um, this is how you can run your practice. Now, I moved out of uh, New Hampshire three years ago, and I'm in Ohio, and there's no way I'm opening another office. It's 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 just no point. There's no reason for it. Now, some people really dig that interaction and having a space, and that's cool. But I find absolutely zero reason for it, though I have reduced my deductions a lot. <laughs> yeah, <Yes. laughs> but I was going to be a stationer. That all of a sudden, uh, Al Litchfield, who was my instructor, talked to me about this, and that was that. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So, what would you say to somebody who's you know just starting out? Obviously, there's it's it's not as simple as you know. Mm -hmm. having an office and putting a sign out or, right. or or being listed online there's a lot of work that if you want to get to a certain point and obviously you can any point you want to be in in uh, hypnosis you can be but there's a lot of work sure yeah see everybody who's a service provider be it your dentist your doctor your counselor your coach your hypnotist Everyone's good at what they do. Well, not everybody, but people get good at what they do or they know how to do what they do. They don't know the business. Now, I didn't. You know, when I was on Dateline, I was getting smothered. And I'm a blue-collar guy, triple-decker, Boston, right? Uh, Boston area. And all I knew is if you worked, you got paid. That's all I knew. I didn't know systems or anything. So I just kept adding and adding and adding. And I was booked three to four months solid with 100 people on a list waiting to be called back. And I was doing 15 one-hour sessions a day, seven days a week. Yeah, wow. 105. When people go, I work 80 hours a week. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, my old man's attitude was, what am I supposed to do? Roll over and die? You just do it. So I just did it. And then I started to learn more. And I added a couple of people on staff. And I added an admin person. And then everything was better managed, you know, it was easy, uh, easier to manage. But um, it's still, I mean, I'm doing this now for 20, 24 years. And March 1st, you know, was when I got certified. So 24 years. And still, I have to be aware and keep up on the changes in online marketing and ways to market and all that. And when it comes to that, man, it's like a college course into itself, you know, and what works for one person doesn't always work for others. Like I'll tell people, all right, these are the things that I'm doing, not I've done, but I'm doing. And I'm not saying it's going to work for you because some people, you know, back in the day, they would do a yellow page ad and crush it. A lot of us were like, no way, that doesn't work. So you got to find what works for you, right? But it is a consistent um, stepping forward kind of attitude where, You've got to apply yourself consistently. But when you do, what I've learned is, like I said, all those things, they came to me. If you're consistent and you're in the belief, it's definitely going to happen. Things will come your way to assist you. But not if you're sitting back just waiting. You know what I mean? Right, so you, you, you get out of it what you put into it, basically. If yeah, you're right. And that's all of life. But it yeah. is a challenge. You know, it's a real challenge. And a lot of people aren't aware. This is why it's... It's really great that I've transitioned over the years to uh, include coaching. And I coach hypnotists. There are a lot of NGH members I've coached and people that aren't. And it's stunning. It's it, No, that's not even the right word. It's appalling and surprising to a point of how much 
people have not been told or taught because what will happen is they'll get an instructor who knows what to do as far as hypnosis goes, but they haven't succeeded in the business aspect of it. So those people are just now may have some skills. They have a skill set on what we call hypnosis, but they don't know how to go about gathering clients and then what to do when you get a client and how to break programs and all this kind of stuff and fee structures, man. And if anyone knows, I know because I started bankrupt and I made all the mistakes. You know, my confidence is like, well, I'll try almost anything. Things that people wouldn't even think of trying, right? But Eric, that's how you, you develop, how you grow. You find out what works and what doesn't. So I just... Uh, so I, I think you, you kind of touched on something that I see, I've seen, especially with the convention is you've got your, your seasoned uh, hypnotists who have been doing it a while mm. and they go to the convention and they're able to pick up Mm -hmm. things from people you know whatever new techniques or yep. things along those lines at these presentations or you have your new hypnotist who really needs to probably focus in a little more on what the things you need to do to build your practice mm -hmm. and then they'll be the seasoned ones in a, in a few years coming back to add to their practice and you know and it doesn't matter how long you've done it because there are people um They've done this longer than I, or as long as I, and they haven't seen as many clients as I've seen in a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Though I don't work those hours like that anymore. I mean, I work very low hours. The most I work, it's not a lot to 20, maybe 15, but my pay structure is a lot different. You know I mean? My fee structure. So it's the same money I was making back then, but in a lot less hours, but also providing a lot more quality. There's something you said there that I really want to touch upon. During those wacky uh, hours I was working, well, if somebody was filling out their intake form, I'd be in the driveway eating a banana. That's how I got through the day, stuff like that, right? There was no lunch or dinner. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so Elsam Eldridge had called me, and I knew his name from when I was being certified, some of the materials. And he asked if I was going to the convention. And this was uh, 2000, I don't know, three. So I said, well, let me ask you something. Have we met? He said, well, frankly, no. I said, yeah, I don't go. He said, well, we'd like to give you an award. And I went, well, like a bass, I went after that shiny lure, right? And I'm glad I did. Because what I realized was there was so much that I was missing out on. And I, you know, I got to meet the people I was watching on video cassettes in my training. And I became friends with Jerry Kine and Will Horton and all these dudes. And, and all of a sudden, I'm gathering respect from them over the years. And I'm like, this is amazing. And even like myself, I'll have people asking me stuff at the bar, and they're taking notes on a bar napkin. And I'm like, that's where it's at, you know? So what I didn't realize was how much I was missing by not attending. So I urge everybody, and not just um, that one conference or convention, but like Scott Chow says, you know, there are many, many, many uh, models and styles. Learn, learn as many as you can or learn something that fits a niche and get really, really good at it. But if you don't go, you, you don't realize what you're missing out on. And just the camaraderie, man, you know, being with like-minded people. Because when you're in the holistic world or the metaphysical world, your mindset is a lot different than regular folk. You don't get many people to talk to. <laughs> they think you're crazy. <laughs> Oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so it's a little crazy. <laughs> I, I, you're also the founder and chairman of the World Hypnotism Day. Well, I created that, yeah. Yeah, so what's that about? Well, what happened was when Robert Dunscombe was managing the NGH forum that was online, and this was, uh, again, back in 2005, a woman had written a post and said, you know, the Guild's great, but you would think they would get you clients. Really? So after I filtered all my language, I typed, well, don't you think that it's up to us to build our own business and get your own customers, as it were? But how about if we did something like the Great American Smokeout, that we created a day of awareness, and instead of like chiropractors waiting for people, or acupuncturists, rather, was what I used, because you go, they stick needles to people. They had to wait for the mainstream to catch up and, and accept it, right? So I was like, why are we waiting? So when I messaged Doc, he said, well, that's a great idea. Surprised nobody came up with it yet, but we can't handle that, but we'll support it. So me, you know, and I grew up, if you say something, you've got to do it. So <laughs> my months, I got my tech guy and we, you know, got this thing together. I contacted uh, Sean Brookhouse in England and Martin Kiley in Ireland. And I was contacting people I knew around the world as, as leads in, in those countries, in those areas of the world. And one thing leads to another. And before you know it, we put together the World Hypnotism Day. I funded it. I still do. Um, we've had over 50 proclamations from lieutenant governors, governors, and mayors in North America. I mean, it's been amazing. And that was 2005, and it's still happening on January 4th. Yeah. Right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was uh, one of my big contributions to the profession, you know. All right, so I'm, I'm, we're going to step out of hip, hip, hypnosis for a second. Sure. I need to know about your, your, your gigging, your, your music. I mean, what, uh, you, what kind of music do you do? <laughs> what kind of gigs do you do? You know, hypnosis and, and uh, a guitar come hand in hand in my life where I just took to it. You know, I, it was just something that crossed my path, though we know it isn't by accident, right? At 10 years old, there was a guitar under the Christmas tree, and I took to it like a fish in water. <laughs> 12, I was playing out, you know, in these little groups. 15, I was doing the club circuit with guys in their 20s and 30s. And um, in my young 20s, um, original rock band during the journey days. And I used to hang around with these dudes, you know, uh, all these bands. We did the album and toured. And so... My two goals when I was younger was to have a published book and my face on an album cover. Well, I got a couple of published books, one's international, and I got the album cover. And um, it's just something I have to do, man. You know, I, I can't not play. So I still work, you know, as a musician a few nights a week. And uh, that's my therapy. And my life is blessed, man. I get to do what I do at home with people around the world and helping them improve their lives. Then I get to go out and entertain people and uplift their spirits. And I get paid to do the things that I love to do, man. This is amazing. All right, what kind of music are you getting? I do everything. Well, when I was young, <laughs> I was in the seventh grade, so I was like 12. And I was living in this triple-decker in Everett, and the backyard's butted against a funeral home. So there was the guy who owned it, and I got to know him. And he was playing a tenor guitar on his back porch. And I, and I go over and go, hey, I play guitar, you know. A dopey 12-year-old kid. So he says, well, you know, uh, you should come with us one night. And they used to play at Circle of the Blind Meetings and nursing homes and stuff like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they played like Heart of My Heart and Bill Bailey and all that old-time stuff. So I learned all that. 
And then, you know, it's type progressed. I, I, man, I play everything from Jesus, uh, that kind of music to Zeppelin, you know? So it's like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Sinatra. There's wow. not one style that I play. Yeah, you know, people go to my 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 Facebook page or YouTube, uh, my name, search my name, and you can find a bunch of stuff and see me playing. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, There's always great. another side to people that you know. <laughs> <laughs> a fun yeah. side. So that's actually actually man, Marcel Clayson, who started it years ago, um, Saturday night after banquet, and then uh, he welcomed me in. And um, we used to uh, do a concert after the banquet on Saturday night. We did that for years. We're going to see you do it this year? Uh, well, I'm not driving from southern New Hampshire to Marlboro, Mass., you know, so I don't bring all my gear in my vehicle. I'm flying now. <laughs> we'll get you a guitar. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the convention, you're presenting. You're, uh, we got you. Uh, you're doing seminar and workshop, and you also uh, are doing a post course. Yep. Uh, can you tell us about all of these wonderful things you're going to be doing? Sure. Well, actually, all three are very, very timely. The one hour that I'm doing, which is on Friday at 11 a.m., is called uh, How to Use Social Media Effectively. Like, people don't realize the image that you use in a post, the way you word your post. I mean, we're supposed to be wordsmiths, right? We're supposed to craft language. But I can't believe some of the stuff I read and see and how to use video clips and how long they should be and what the percentage of um, the content should be as far as the like, no trust part and then you being the expert part and, you know, testimonials. So there's really a way to go about this in order to get more impact and more response from your presence on social media, even what social media platforms should you be on considering maybe what your niche is or what it is you do. Uh, then on again on Friday, from four to six, effective language patterns and techniques for client results. Now this is extremely important now, or it always has been, but especially if you aren't using other techniques in person, right? So, this is an um, interactive workshop where they're doing writing exercises. We're going over what um, they come up with and we're tearing apart language. And from the subtle things that matter tremendously to some techniques that people aren't even aware of, like linguistic bridges and transitioning and stuff like that. So I did that last year for the first time because I, I get tired of presenting the same material, you know? And um, even though I kind of was branded as the weight loss hypnotist because of Dateline, man, I was doing a tremendous amount of work before that at you know Harvard Medical School and, and mind-body stuff. So the language pattern uh, two-hour workshop is really, really helpful. And then uh, Monday, which I haven't done a post in a long time, but it was always pre, it's the A to Z of creating a successful hypnosis practice. And when I say A to Z, I'm talking language patterns, induction styles, um, program development, what should be in your programs, how to properly, you know, um, I don't like the word charge or things like that, how, how, how to set up your fee structure properly and how to present value and even how to take a cold call and how to transition a call into a potential client. Um, marketing techniques. I mean, it's everything you need to know 
in business. And like I tell people, I said, look, even if you don't um, work with me in a coaching situation, whoever you choose, make sure they've done what you're looking to do, that they've succeeded. It's amazing how there are people out there telling other people how to do uh, what we do, and they're not even in full-time practice. It's unbelievable. So that one day is uh, really hands-on. It's uh, very interactive. And I think I've done it twice. I think last year was the second time. But um, that's what I've got going on during the weekend. And obviously, I'm always available to chat me up and take notes and ask me anything. I was going to say, I mean, obviously, you've been at the at the NGH convention for for a few oh, years. Yeah, for a while. And I, I think that's one of the things that I, I noticed is is really excellent to see is uh, they're, they're folks meeting with, you know, uh, instructors and and alike. They're sitting down in the, in the lobby and, mm-hmm. and kind of picking each other's brains. And, and that's the that's what makes it a, a great atmosphere, like you said. Mm. For people, yeah, you, know, you know, you get into say we'll use the word celebrity, right? The ones who stand out, like in life, right? They're celebrities, and it it seems commonly where people stop being as nice and as open, and they think they're as important as the press says they are. We're not that important. We're all knuckleheads. Give me a break. So, and I even said this last night to a, this guy that came in, in um, this Thursday night thing I host at a wine bar. And he was really good. So I said to him, you know, dude, the first thing I ever want to know is if you're nice. I don't care how good you are if you're not nice. So that's where we begin. Be nice. Be sharing and opening, welcoming. And we're all in this together, man. So you don't work, you know, hovering over your stuff so nobody can see it. I work with the books wide open and let you just see whatever you want. I think that's what people need. I mean, obviously, you know, in any any profession, like you said, I mean, you've got to learn, you've got to learn the tricks of the trade, and and no matter how long you've been doing it, mm-hmm. you know, even in my background, I always went to a convention every year so that I could learn, keep up with yep. what is happening now, and and learn new things. And you know, too, Eric, you you've probably experienced this. It isn't always the person who's no, uh, uh, publicly successful and all of that. The example I use is when I got off touring back in the early 80s and I got back into regular life because that is not regular life, believe me. <laughs> I was giving guitar lessons and this kid played for about six months and he played something and I said, play that again. I go, where'd you pick that up at? He goes, I don't know, I was just playing in my room. I said, hey, I'm going to cop that, all right? I'm going to use that. You can learn from everyone. You don't just go to the big names. I'll sit in classes of somebody who's never presented or I've never even heard of them. I'm glad I sat in here. So we have to be open also, those of us who are seasoned and successful, quote unquote, um, to be open to ideas from everybody. I mean, do you do you personally feel that you have a lot to offer in the sense, I mean, you're, you're obviously teaching. So um, do you finally get a lot of joy in, in the fact that you're able to share your knowledge and kind of the, the, the bumps in the road that you had to go through in order to uh, be successful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it sounds when people say I wouldn't change anything. 
Well, I would change a few things. I wouldn't have fallen on a wine glass and taken out my eye. I had Bell's policy along the way, things like that. But as far as the journey, right, all of it contributes to whatever the outcome is. And I really enjoy being some sort of an influence on somebody else's growth or development or insight. Um, I mean, I used to tell people, there were, there were times when I probably in a year did more free sessions than people did and got paid for because I could, you know, because I had enough work and enough income where I could do that. Um, there was one girl, she did a three session program and parents couldn't really pay for anything else. And she was in a really bad place. I ended up working with that girl for, Jesus, off and on for 14 years, but steadily for maybe two years and never charged her again. So if we're not doing it with that kind of a, an attitude, then I'm not sure why we're doing what we're doing. No, you got to give back in some fashion oh. and, and definitely share your knowledge because that, that, that's what grows the profession, obviously. But, but the attitude should be because you want to and it feels good rather than I'm going to get something out of it. Absolutely. You know? All right. So um, what would you say to somebody who's on the fence? They, they're, well, I don't know if I should go to the the convention or, I mean, if they came up to you and said, well, what do you think? Well, I would ask them, uh, what's your situation? Are you crushing it? Do you know about as much as you think you're going to learn in this profession? Um, is, is it just grooving and it's the systems are flowing? What do you need to learn a few things? And, and this is what I, I, uh, I don't know what the word is, but whenever I've presented at solid gold and the people who go there, don't go to the East Coast to the convention. I'm like, you guys are missing out. You don't get it. This is not anything close to what goes on in August. And when they talk about they don't have the money to do so, I go, now you really need to go. See, this is the catch-22. Well, I don't have enough money to go. But if I go, I'll learn the things I need to make some more money, right? Because it is business. It's the business of what we do. Um, and the greatest investment you'll ever make is in yourself. So... Do what you need to do. Set the intention. Uh, invest in yourself. I mean, there are kids going to school and usually parents are dropping 20 to 40 grand a year. Well, spend 2,500 bucks to get on a plane and, you know, spend a few weeks at a hotel room and, I mean, a few days at a hotel room and gather more information than you're probably going to learn on your own in a year. Right. Now, that's good advice. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to wrap it up with this. I need to know. I and mean, you probably don't have it within reach, but I want to see your face on an album cover. <laughs> you okay. have to share it with. Um, I'll email you the, the image <laughs> because the album cover is hanging on the wall downstairs in my music studio. Is it? No, yeah. so I, that would be that would be curious. All right, wait, wait, wait. Here's what to do: go to YouTube, type Tom Nicoli Armed Forces, like the military. We thought we were armed with, with music, so Tom Nicoli Armed Forces. And you can uh, see two or three clips um, of uh, some guy who had a used album um, company, business store, whatever. And when I saw it online, I was like, what the hell is this? Who put our album online? <laughs> so you can actually go hear a couple of cuts and uh, see the album cover. And you'll see me looking like the old Peter Frampton, but with red hair. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a time. Well, I, I have Peter Frampton's hair now. So. Well, I look like him still because he's changed too. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, we look forward to seeing you at this year's convention. And I I appreciate the fact that you took the time to talk with me on our NGH podcast. Anytime. We'll have to get you back and we'll just talk about music and, you know, you'll have your guitar. and Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. We'll make it interesting. Yeah. But there's a lot to see. Go to my Facebook page. It's the Tom Nicoli personal page. I got about 10 or 12 Facebook pages. And uh, click on videos and watch a whole bunch of cool stuff. Excellent. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to always share. Thank you for listening to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. You're welcome to share your ideas for future podcasts by emailing us, nghpodcast at ngh.net.